What's up, guys? It's Mickey, and welcome back to another episode of Blank Canvas. Let's jump right into this college football news. So Tennessee beat Bama. I must repeat, Tennessee beat Bama. Down goes Bama, baby. Down goes Bama. I am too excited and too turned. Um, all I have to say is War Eagle, and I don't care what team, whether it's me or another team across the country that beats Alabama, it's always a good day. Auburn lost, and I still felt like I won. Say what you want to say, but yeah, most Alabama fans are extremely obnoxious. I have other rivals, but their fans and their team and their arrogance doesn't annoy me as much as Alabama. And not all Alabama fans are terrible, but a lot of them are. I have met probably on one hand a few that are just not overly obnoxious, but any day Bama goes down is a good day. And oh my goodness, is Tennessee coming out swinging. Like they are blitzing out the ass. They are wow a beautiful fast moving offense it's a beautiful sight to see and Tennessee this is the like I said before this is the best Tennessee that I have seen since I have been alive and since I have got into college football so congratulations to Tennessee let's see how far they can take it how far they can go including with Georgia can they win out the east will this be a rematch between Alabama and Tennessee in the SEC championship? Are we going to have like another Georgia situation? Will they make it to the playoffs? Can they win the natty? I don't know. Only time will tell. Only time will tell. Another college football news, LSU had a good bounce back game. Really proud of them and happy for them. I can't wait until college football, the college football playoffs expand. The time is now. They're trying to move it up to 2024. The time is now. Do you see this greatness? We get this kind of greatness week in and week out every year with college football. But just to know that there will be more than the same four teams with the potential to play for a championship. Oh my goodness, it gets me so, so excited. Can you tell I grew up in the South, ladies and gentlemen? College football is life down here. And really football, but definitely college football. And I'm so excited. And yeah, that is our college football update for this week. Here comes a gym. Here comes a gym. Here comes a gym from MM. Mickey about to drop a gym. 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 Here comes a gym. Here comes a gym. Here comes a gym from MM. Mickey about to drop a gym. Mickey about to drop a gym. Mickey about to drop a gym. Okay, now listen up. All right, guys. So the first thing, well, the first major thing besides college football that I want to jump into this week is I said that I would be sharing some gems from Your Purpose is Calling book by Pastor Darius Daniels. And I have at least, I think, three, three today that um, I'm just going to dive into for a little bit. There are so, so many gems in the whole entire book. I still highly recommend all of us getting that book, but let's get into it. So the first gem so far from PD's book is number one. He said, the outside world often says, be yourself. But what they really mean is, be who we expect you to be. Be who we want you to be or else. And my thoughts on that is that's a very powerful statement. We often talk about that on BK, about remaining true to yourself and not conforming to the world or the ways of others and the expectations of others and even the expectations that we place on ourselves, whether our intentions are good or not. Sometimes they can be harmful and just to conform either way is just bad because we were all created to be unique and different. He also went into explaining how the feelings of anxiety and depression and in comparison can arise from the expectations we place on ourselves or from others. He says um, he says a specific statement in the section of ex- when he goes into detail of explaining our unique design. And for those that didn't know or didn't believe it for themselves, we are all special. Let me say that one more time. We are all special. So God took his time creating us and giving us different gifts and special agitations to make us care about different things in life. Have you ever stopped for a minute and thought like, 
what agitates me. And if you're a person that's easily annoyed by everything, no judgment. This is BK, no judgment. But think about the stuff that really, really agitates you. And I mean past the point of this is petty or trivial. It's something that gets under your skin. It's something that others may not pay attention to. Or it's something that frustrates you more because other people aren't paying as much attention to it. And to help us have our own way to view the world and to solve problems that only we can solve, not necessarily alone, but definitely have the right amount of emotion behind it to care enough to make a long lasting impact. Even the things that probably annoy us ourselves or or others, remember we've talked about this before, it was put in us for a reason. There is a reason that we have these different quirks about our personalities. There are reasons that we are triggered by certain things that others may not be, or we feel some type of way more about a situation or a problem that needs to be solved in this world. It is a unique, it's part of our unique design, and it's a very specific agitation um, made for you to feel some type of way about in order for you to care enough to solve the problem, to want to solve the problem and do something about it, you know? Next thing is the second gem he said was our caregivers each play a role in our need for acceptance and play a role in the ways that we can form. So in the book, PD goes and explains how in the younger years, you learn early that as long as you're doing what your caregiver says, you're fine. When you don't, you are fussed at or something is taken away. Subconsciously, it's teaching you how to play the game and interact with humans on all levels. And I'm not a mom yet, but I always think about different ways I want to parent my kids, even now. I would like to know who they truly are in all stages of their life, especially as they grow and change. And not just have many robots only doing and saying things that please me or others in the world. Like I don't want to have babies just to make them literal mini me's. If they look like me or their father, cool. I mean, genetics, that's what they're supposed to do. But if they literally think exactly like us, speak exactly like us, don't challenge us, on anything, it would um, it would bother me. I would feel like I didn't do my part as a parent for them to have their own unique um, identity and individuality, which they are designed. They, I would be, as I explained before, I am a vessel to get them here to this earth. I will raise them to the best of my ability, but they are their own people. They do not have to agree with me in every sense. I actually hope they don't agree with me in every sense. I hope they can teach me to look at the world in a new way and have different perspectives and help me be more well-rounded. I pray that we have a relationship where we can teach each other and not just for me you know, as their mother, but I pray the same goes for their father and so forth and so on. And that it keeps going for generation after generation, because I believe that each generation should get better and better. But you guys know that. You guys know that already. So um, like I said, I don't just want many robots that, you know, only try to please me or the others of the world because society is so fickle. Humans are fickle, period. But society is basically a place full of humans that are extremely fickle and change with the times and go up and down, go back to stuff that was once cool, that was once shame and it's now cool and so forth and so on. It's the only thing that is true and stable in this world is God. Literally. The only thing true and stable and consistent is God. Okay. Or, um, Another thing that I don't want for my kids or because they're so afraid of, you know, my reaction that they dial themselves down and don't share at all. That's something that I don't want. I want them to always feel open to be able to talk to mom about any and everything. Like, I don't want the fear of getting in trouble to outweigh the benefit and the comfort of having a safe space to open up to mom or dad or both of us, or whatever the situation may be in that time, um, at any point in time, no matter their age, no matter what it is, I don't care if it's something sexual, I don't care if it's something really serious, I don't care if it's something not as serious that they may be like, oh, you're dealing with other problems, this is so trivial, no, come to me, I pray to make them feel safe enough, because I'd rather them get advice from me if I can be helpful. And I'm going to be honest, like just because I'm mom doesn't mean I'm going to have all the answers. So if I can't help my kids, I would pray and 
I would try to guide them in the right direction or try to give them, point them to people that can help them because maybe they'll go through something that I haven't experienced. Not even a maybe. I know that they'll go through some things that I haven't experienced or that that situation I do not have expertise in, but it doesn't mean that mom won't be there to support you and help you along the way and figure it out. And if you're struggling, I'm struggling. So we're going to figure this shit out one way or another. But, you know, I do want to be a safe place for my kids. I think that's so important. And if I violate their trust in some way, I hope they give me a chance and that they believe in their mom enough to know a change can be made for the better. And that forgiveness is, you know, is worth it in this situation. I mean, I think forgiveness is worth it in every situation because forgiveness is more so for yourself than for the other person. Can it be a healing experience for both parties involved? Absolutely. But like I said before, um, being unforgiving and holding on to unforgiveness is like drinking poison, but watching the other person to expecting and watching the other person to die from it, that's just not going to happen. You're the one drinking the poison. So nine times out of 10, you're going to die. So therefore forgiveness would be, you know, a good thing in the situation regardless, but I want them to also feel like mom is worthy of this forgiveness, you know, because mom is going to be accountable. Mom is, mom is human. I've I've taught them well on realizing that parents are just humans too. Like, yeah, they may be our superheroes. Yeah, they may be adults in our eyes and they should have had it together. But I mean, you get to adult stage and you just realize this shit is hard for all of us. And we're just trying to figure it out, doing the best we can with the experiences that we've already experienced, with the tools that we have been given or lack thereof. And we're trying to teach, a lot of us are trying to teach ourselves along the way And we have to teach ourselves the things that our parents didn't teach us. And it's not their fault that they didn't have it because their parents didn't teach them. And it's a generational problem. And somebody's got to put in the work so it can stop being a generational problem. Um, So, yeah, I hope that they see mom as me as their mom is, you know, worth it, worth it to give me another chance if I do violate that trust. And to my future kids. I am sorry in advance if that happens, but mommy is willing to work on it and I want to be a safe place for you guys. And don't worry, boo, I got you. Um, But it's not even just expectations from parents. It's from neighbors, classmates, teachers, coworkers, the community, friends, family, society, et cetera. I could go on and on. We are a society that has social media and oh my goodness, has that changed the game? Absolutely. And we also have these microwavable interactions, the instant opinions of others to flood our minds and our feeds. The pool is wider and deeper, which means the expectations are more and they come faster and the impact sometimes can last a whole lot longer. Social media is, we have to remember, is a highlight reel for most people. Most people aren't going on the internet and crying and sharing their true emotions because when they do, what have we said here before on BK? We judge them. We're like, and I mean, we shouldn't, and I'm not judging everybody that does it, but I know I I will be honest and I've had my moments like, who held up the camera for you to cry? I have definitely had moments like that. See, that's judgment in that moment for that person. And maybe that is how they needed to express it. Maybe they felt more comfortable expressing it to their platform than they did expressing it to people in their inner circle. Um, It's not our place to judge, you know, because we don't all have inner, you know, people in our inner circle that are trustworthy. And so maybe they trust in their community that they have built online to give them comfort in different things. But even outside of that... Social media is usually a highlight reel. And just with the level of opinions on whether it's political, whether it's your hairstyle, whether it's your body, whether it's your taste in music, just your choices in life, everybody's allowed to have an opinion. Like, share, subscribe, talk about some money in the DMs, talk about people on their stories, the drama. And it's no longer drama just between you and this person. It spreads, it's screenshotted, it's in people's group chats. It's it's wild. It's wild and just how quickly the flames can explode into a massive force fire with the way social media is. Social media is a different breed and I feel so bad for kids who will not get to experience a childhood without it. I'm very grateful I came on the cups of, yes, I had social media, but at the same time, I was in the beginning of social media coming around. So 
I got to experience certain mistakes that were not online. And I feel really bad for the kids that from the beginning of their lives, all they'll ever know is social media. They will never know a life without it. They will never know the luxury of being able to fail in private, make mistakes in private, learn in private, figure out yourselves in private because the world is always watching whether you're famous or not, whether you have a hundred followers or a hundred thousand followers, the world is always watching. And it's not to say that the world wasn't watching before, but now the world is watching with cameras and, and your, your mistakes are stuck in time versus, you know, they no longer have to just sit in our heads or somebody can be like, you remember that one time you can, you can, it can literally be, he said, she said, now it's like, stuck in time, stuck on the internet, and people can pull it up at any time. And the higher you go, the 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 more people try to dig in your past to pull you down. Like, oh, you have this platform, you think you're qualified to speak, or remember when you made this mistake, or you made this call, or you made this tweet. This is literally why I don't even have a Twitter, because Twitter would be the death of me. And I also don't think I have the maturity not to respond to certain people and certain things yet. So while I'm still applying, I, I don't just say this stuff on BK for you guys to be better people. I am continuously working on myself every single day. I know my limits and <laughs> Twitter is not the place for me. Twitter is not the place for me. I still have so much growth to do. And I think even with the growth, I don't know if Twitter would be the place for me just because it is like a zest pool of opinions and they come quick and they come fast. And if the comments underneath like Instagram posts and Facebook are bad, Twitter is like thoughts galore central. And I have enough of my own. I really don't need to be flooded with everybody else's. I flood my own mind. All right. So social media is completely different. And for the parents raising kids in the generation with social media, bless your hearts, bless your hearts. And for the people who got to enjoy their childhoods without it, shout out to us. And even our parents' generation who got to really enjoy young adult life without it, because we make young adult mistakes on social media and it's there or people are so ready to take it there you can't even handle conflict without it going to social media anymore these days and it's just it's a good it's a good tool it helps us connect with each other like the blank canvas official page we can connect with each other you guys can send me questions I can remind you guys of new episodes I can share my thoughts on certain things um, recommend books, things like that, share motivational posts. But at the same time, it's like, it's a double-edged sword. The the higher and the more that the IG page of BK grows, the, um, the more I'm going to have to take precaution of, I will block you if you leave negative comments. And it's not to say constructive criticism isn't allowed, but it's just a place of a judgment-free zone. It's for community building. It's for spreading love. And if it gets toxic to where I can't do this or if it gets toxic to where people don't feel safe and don't feel loved in the BK community that's a problem we're a family and that just it will not be so it will not be so all right so the third is the third gem from the book is unique discontent and I kind of touched on this a little bit in the second point, but to dive a little deeper is he touches on this in the book, but also PD touches on this in multiple sermons. And so have you ever felt a problem that annoys you so much you wish you could solve it or the fact that people don't care about it as much bothers you? All of these can be telltale signs or problems that God has laid on your heart to bother you enough so you can work towards finding a solution. Again, this isn't what any and every everything. You are human. So different things will bother you and trigger you. That doesn't mean every little thing that bothers you is what your God-given purpose is or one of the many boxes you're supposed to check off. Can you, if you have time, why the hell not? Like, why are we leaving problems for each other for the next generation to do? If you got time and you can still do it and it won't deter you away from your purpose, get it done, you know, but all of us have different unique agitations for a reason. So yeah, but it is the stuff that affects you at your core. And no matter how much you try to run away from it, it's still there. You can view the problem and how it's affecting others in ways that most people can't see or even care to understand. So he gave us three key things on how to deal with your unique discontent. Ready? Number one, 
feel your feelings. They are valid and a lot of times can be used as indicators to show you your you you your unique discontent or even as motivation to solve the unique discontent. Two, take action when possible. All problems can't be solved at one time. It takes time and to come up with solutions and it takes people um etc cetera, etc cetera. pd says do what you can until you can do what you want and I'll repeat that one more time he says do what you can until you can do what you want and i just think that's a major key that i needed to hear in order for me to keep moving forward with some of the things that agitate me and hopefully finding ways to you know help other people for the better, whether it's in, if I can find ways to help myself too. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to grow and trying to improve with you guys as well. And the third way to deal with um, your unique discontent is refuse to go alone. None of us are made to be alone. We have touched on this before. We need community and like in some way, in some form, but also we need help with solving these major problems. We can't do it alone, nor, nor is every problem created for us to do it alone. There are people who are agitated by some of the same things we are, and even if we may not agree on the exact way to get the solution done, collaboration can still help all of us go further. So remember to deal with your unique agitation. Three basic things, feel your feelings, take action when possible, and refuse, refuse to go along. So those are some of the gems so far. Like I said, um, and I'll definitely keep saying, I highly recommend everyone getting this book. Even if you don't want to read it, get it for a gift from someone else. Even if you don't believe in God, this is still a good book that will help any human being discover their purpose and figure out their why of being on this earth. And this is just a great reread in a book that will keep on blessing you as time goes on. All right, party people. The next topic that I wanted to discuss this week was that there is so much more to life. There is so much more to life. So I have been transparent moment. I have been praying really, really hard to God lately about this can't be it. This cannot be all that my life has to offer and all that life will be not only for me, but for others around me. Like I just feel this, this, this fire, like in my, in my spirit and soul, like this isn't it. Like, girl, you've been put here on this earth to accomplish more, to do more. And just don't get defeated by what your life looks like currently and what the circumstances around you look like. I promise this is not all you have called to be. But there is also something before I continue with that, there is also something in being okay with What if this is all God called me to do? I think a lot of times when we think of our purpose, we think it has to be, I need to be speaking on multiple stages and blah, blah, blah. I need to have a mic in my hand or I need to be the president of the United States. I need to work in Congress. I need to cure cancer. If I've done something like that, then I've done something really fulfilling. But sometimes it's just good to be a good teacher. You understand what I'm saying? Like Teachers are not only underpaid, but undervalued. And they are the people that when they're not with their caregivers, kids are spending the most time with. You know what I mean? And they are implementing thoughts and depending on where you go to school in the United States and indoctrinating your child with lies that you have to go back and correct and say, this is the real history of America. But that's another topic for another day. But the point is that whether you pick up trash off the street or you are in an essential freaking worker like how we saw the all the people working in the grocery stores and different things were essential workers in the pandemic when everybody else got to do their jobs at home which we all knew that over half of these jobs were possible to be able to do at home and still maintain a life outside of the office I'm not going to go on my rant today, but you guys can already tell in my tone how I feel about that. Well, my thoughts are on that. My BK family knows me. Listen, there should be a work-life balance. Again, another topic for another day, but it doesn't matter what you're doing. Even if you're just going to a library and like reading to children or something or reading to yourself or just maybe you helped a, a older lady or a man cross the street or something like it's things that are that simple that 
you can still be living the most meaningful life. You have to be okay with whatever God called you to. And the problem I think a lot of us have is we don't know what he's called us to do. And then when we think we have some idea, we think it has to be on such a large scale. Like just because you're a pastor doesn't mean you have to preach in a uh, a stadium arena. Like what if you're teaching, preaching in a little church house and a little church hut and like this country town with, you know, the, you can hear the train coming every two seconds. Like that's still just as good. You're still spreading God's word. And again, it doesn't even have to just be in ministry. It can be in multiple different areas of life. The point is, is that we also have to be okay with whatever God has called us to do. Not only whatever God has called us to do, but we have to be okay with what if it's not on this large, massive scale where cameras are flashing, fame is involved, and a billion dollars is involved. We have to be okay with where we are. And that is so much easier said than done. I'm not sitting here saying like, I don't have moments where I'm like, and again, I've ex- like I explained on the last episode, it's not about fame, but it's like, God, I want to re- reach as many people as I can. I want to be as helpful and as impactful as I can. But I have to find contentment and trust in the fact that I'll reach the people I'm supposed to reach. I will help the people that I'm supposed to help. And it really is true. Well, I don't know if this is for everybody, but you know, when people really say like, if it only gets to one person, that's It may seem cliche, but now being in a position where I have a platform to speak on different things and hopefully help people feel a little more seen, loved, and heard and understood, if I really can only help one person, then I'm doing something right. You know, that's one more person that will get help from their triggers and traumas. That's one more person that will view the world in a different kind of light that can be beneficial not only to themselves, but their families, their community, their future children, the next generations. Um, That's one more person that wants to rebuild a connection with their parents or estranged family and different things and so forth and so on. So yes, even if it only helps one person, I am, I'm really happy. I'm really grateful. I will feel like, hey, that's what God called me to do and who God called me to help. And there's a reason. You never know what that small help or small seed can be a catalyst for something major in another person's life. And it's not about being jealous. It's about all of us working collectively together for us to not only fulfill our purpose, but to help us reach our highest potential in the best way and make society hopefully a little better and our families a little better and ourselves a little better as we go along. Like, let's bring pieces of heaven here on earth. Let's exhibit kingdom behavior here on earth. Are we going to do that every day? Absolutely not. Do I do that every day? Absolutely not. Like I'm from TC. We're hot. We're hot. We're humble, open, we're humble, open and transparent. Hot. So I mean, do I do it every day? Absolutely not. I'm a human being. I still have so many moments of living out of my flesh, but I try to be extra intentional that when I am out of my flesh, separating myself from the situation or even just trying to be more intentional on, okay, you're triggered by this more often than not. Let's get to the root. Let's figure out why. Let's try not to be triggered. Or when we are, let's handle it better, so forth and so on. So back to my whole point of that, there is so much more to life. That feeling has just been running deep in me. And that's something that I have been praying really hard to God about and a lot about recently. But like I said, it's not even just for me that I have this feeling for. I also have this feeling for others around me. And it's not just because they're around me. Like I really have distinct feelings for certain individuals around me and that I never thought that I would care about what their next chapters look like or seeing greatness for their lives. I don't even have to be close to them. And certain people, and I've been praying on this, God has been showing me like, like if they need a little motivation, speak life into them. If they need a little pep in their step, give it to them. I mean, and I think we all need that as human beings every once in a while. We all sometimes need that reminder that, hey, what you're doing, you're doing great. Whether you feel like you're doing it on a stage, on a large scale, or you're doing it on a smaller scale, every single thing that God does with us and has us do and in the right time is intentional. God is extremely not only loving, caring, but he is intentional. And every single thing, even down to the smallest minute detail, plays a role into a much bigger picture that he has for all of us. 
and individually and collectively. So God has been showing me things and re-sparking that motivation and energy in me to keep going. What do I tell you guys all the time? Keep going. And this isn't the end for any of us. I see things for my people and I'm not sure the exact way or how they will get there, but I know that it's oh so possible and it brings me so, so, so much joy. I recently reflected on my college years and you know, I have moments during them of telling God thank you, but recently I took the time to just really sit down, sit with those years, really just process each year individually and collectively as a whole. And I wanted to just truly tell God, thank you. A lot of people thought it was easy. A lot of people thought, oh, when the refund checks came, like I just had all this money coming in and I can just do whatever I want with it and just blow it. But you know, when those refund checks came in, I paid my rent for the year. That takes a large chunk of that money away. That was also my groceries. That was my Uber money. I didn't have a card. None of the four years in college. And I had a major that required travel. I had a major that moved from the main campus to another campus. So it wasn't like as easy to just take a crosswalk and walk the campus like I could for all my other classes. I That was hair money when I wanted braids. I kept my hair braided a lot, which shout out to my braid ladies in college. They were phenomenal. They were phenomenal and I miss you guys. And I haven't I haven't had that hairstyle since college, but they they literally saved my life and gave me a really cute style for a good price that lasted longer than like a week because I'm also a girl who does not like to do my hair, get my hair done. I like when it's done, but I don't like the process of getting it done. And I don't like being the one that has to do it. Okay. So thank you for your services to anybody who has contributed to my hair. Thank you for your services. I truly, truly appreciate it. So I'm, like I was explaining, on top of that, I was a hospitality major. So we traveled a lot. We went to different casinos. We went on different trips. And listen, they weren't close to my school at all. They were a good minute. And when you don't have a car, that's not really good. And sometimes we would take buses if they had enough people that would be willing to sign up for the bus. They would charter a bus and would take us there. But all of that was a thing within itself too, because you still have to, well, for me, I wasn't walkable distance to the part where you get picked up on the bus. So I still would have to Uber to the bus because if we went it, we would, sometimes the bus would leave so early. There wouldn't be times where certain little trans were running from the school and that's money on top of money and on top of money. So I was so grateful and still to this day, extremely, extremely, so humbly blessed and grateful for a friend who would let me, you know, take these required trips with her. Like these weren't just, oh, this is a great opportunity. I can't miss up on her going on this trip. Like, no, these were required. These were grades. And yes, they were still great opportunities, but this is (laughs) a core part of my major and how I'm supposed to graduate and get this degree. I bought my own books. I would buy the extra stuff the teachers wanted at the last minute. I think a lot of people don't really pay attention to like people think, oh, these college kids. Okay, we've gotten their books. We've got everything. But there are people just like in regular grade school. It does not stop even in college that wanted us to buy things at the last minute and shit in college is extra expensive for no reason. The calculators, the 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 notebooks, the very specific books that they come up with at the last minute that you nine times out of 10 have to order because the bookstores don't have, or the bookstores want you to pay like $500 when you can probably find it for like a hundred and some somewhere else. And you got to buy access codes and the books separate, or you may have the book, but you don't have the access code. And it's like, you want me to pay for the book and a code to be able to do an online program or do this and that like greedy 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 you know um and just so much other stuff that needed to be paid for and I it's not like I had money being sent to me and I did not have money being sent to me until after a conversation that I had with my mom really explaining like the breakdown of where my money went and that didn't start like her sending in some funds to kind of like help offset 
that until like my junior year. Because what people don't understand is, is when you get a large lump sum of money, I also wasn't in a position. It was going to tax me more to have certain jobs because the way my campus was set up, you could get a job on campus, probably didn't pay as much. And even the jobs around that were kind of close to campus did not pay as much. You probably needed about two or three to still have um, at least a decent amount of money. And that is on top of paying rent, paying the electric bill that's coming through. Yes, some stuff was included, but electric was not. And they were known to use a company that was known to upcharge and so forth and so on. You still got to have a car. You still got to have gas to get back and forth to these locations. It was a problem. And when you only have that large lump sum and you're not having really any extra income, that's what I had to like really explain to people. That's it. It's different from like during tax season, you get a tax break and then you still have an incoming check or you get broken off a large amount of money, but you still have incoming check. That's nice. You know, I wish I could have experienced that, but that just wasn't my case, which emphasizes the point of God's grace and mercy, because to be able to survive four years off the refund check, and that's really practically it, and have to stretch out that amount of money for all my needs to be met. And it wasn't like I was calling home, like I need this and I need that. Now there were a couple of times where it just got down to the nitty gritty, but most of the time that was at the end, like towards the end of the semester or by the summer where I'd have to be like, mom, like, look, I got to put groceries on the credit card. Cause I just, I've literally stretched that money out till I couldn't stretch it anymore. You understand? Like coffee was not an option. A lot of times like this $2 coffee maybe once or twice a week is going to add up and that could be money that I could put towards something else. And every single thing counted, every single thing counted. So yeah, a suggestion that I would have for anyone in college is if you are in a dorm and if you have a fridge, cook some food, freeze it and have multiple meals prep that you can rewarm or that if you don't need it rewarm, just to have some meals prep. My mom did that for me my freshman year when I was in a dorm. Not only was it a lifesaver, it saved me money, <laughs> saved her money. And I still had food that I enjoyed to eat because I'm a picky eater and nothing tastes better than home cooked food to me, especially made with love. So thank you so much for that, mommy. You are the best. And I say that all to say this, besides the financial parts, the people, the experience that I had, they were all a necessity. God was very intentional with everything. And some of the lessons I learned from experiences in college, I had to apply them in my next season of life. And I don't mean lesson out of the books. Let's be very clear. I mean life lessons, the best ones, in my opinion, which I always say that a lot of the best lessons that I learned in college never came from lessons that I learned in, in the classroom or out of the book. The best lessons that I learned were life lessons. And I promise you, I did not have to pay this much money to learn life lessons. I feel like life would have kicked my ass either way. And I could have like let life kick my ass at a much cheaper cost. So God gave me the grace and favor to not only graduate, but graduate on time. And people have absolutely no idea, no idea the details of what it took. There are many people who are around me who still don't even know the ins and out of some of the things that I experienced. I'm very blessed to have graduated college, especially in the time that I graduated. So shout out to God, man. Like he really had me covered. He really, really had me covered. And the different tests that came every year, but God, man, but God, that's all I can say is, but God. And I'm so grateful for that season. Reflection over that season reminded me that it was a time in my life and things have changed, but just like that was the season. So is my current life now. I also realized I was a lot more present in past season, in that season and in previous seasons in my life. I've been a lot more disconnected with this chapter, I can honestly say. And I'm not sure if it was a, a survival method or something that I started doing because I didn't enjoy the season I was in that much, you know? And I have to be intentional about being present in this season. All, of course, in this season isn't bad, but being so disconnected can make you enjoy the good even less or miss the lessons that were meant to be learned. So I'm working on that. I'm working on that BK fam and also trying to be aware of what this part of life has to offer me so I can be grateful for not only the current, but the next, because God is not 
done. Okay, guys, really quickly, I just have to do an honorable mention. We discussed the topic of estrangement a lot here on BK, and there's a really good podcast episode out. You may know this reality TV family from the show Chrisley Knows Best or Growing Up Chrisley, and I don't know if they have any other spinoffs, but um, they have four different podcasts, one with Todd and Julie, the parents, and then um Lindsay has two podcasts and then savannah has a new podcast that has just recently come out and they are doing a four-part little special thing where they discuss their time where they were estranged and they talk about the lessons that they learned the thing that i love is that everybody was not only raw open honest and vulnerable or something we call in tc which is hot hot uh humble open and transparent but they also were all accountable for their parts and the roles that they played and the lessons that they learned and even how their faith got them through the time of estrangement. So it's a really good episode and I would highly recommend part one is on a podcast called Coffee Convos, another one of my faves. Check it out, not just for that episode, but in general. And yes, I want us to get hear a different perspective on families who deal with estrangement how they came through it came back together and what their experiences were like some of us may be able to relate or we may know someone who can relate and hopefully it's a helpful tool the last thing that I want to touch on in this week's episode is um Pastor Derry Zane surprised us at TC this week remember my recording is about uh, a week off maybe sometimes a little further than that but this week is about a week off so he's already come he came this past week and he was phenomenal he preached a message that I already heard about you know um not needing closure to move on and I have a great podcast episode titled move on anyways about moving forward with or without the closure and my opinion on it and you know all of our needs for it but long story short I want to talk about the head of protection and representative warfare really quickly because you know as I was prepping for this episode and thinking God put that on my heart to like you know maybe you should remind the BK family about it and talk about it a little bit so I'm going to tag the sermon um you know usually in the description I do sermon of the week and it's from different pastors it's just one of the fave sermons that I watched that week or that I feel like can relate to the topic that we discussed in BK that will, you know, help add a a different perspective. So I will tag the one that PD did this recent Sunday at TC. Shout out to PD. So grateful. Shout out to TC for having him. And yeah. So the head of protection. He PD breaks this down when we think about the story of Job. And basically, I'm not going to go into the full details of it. Go read Job. It's a great story. It teaches you multiple lessons multiple times throughout your life. I don't think we'll ever stop learning from Job and or other stories in the Bible. But with Job, we know that he was a blameless man. He was a good man. He didn't do anything. He loved people. He did his work. He believed in God, blah, 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 blah. He was still punished. But the part about the hedge of protection is, is God was talking to the devil. The devil went up to God and God's like, basically like, what's up? And the devil's like, you know, just been out here roaming around from city to city, place to place, messing with people. And, you know, I, yeah, I'm kind of looking for somebody else to mess with. And so God volunteers. <laughs> Let me say that again. God volunteers Job. And, you know, PD goes to explain, you would think of all people Job would not be the first person to come to mind. I'm sure you would think there are so many people that have done so many other things, but there is a thing when God can trust you with trouble. That is one of the highest honors. And I know that may seem backwards, but when God can trust you with trouble and problems and know that they're not going to leave me, they're not going to forsake me, they're not going to curse my name, they're still going to be obedient to what I called them to do. That is a true high honor that God trusts you with trouble. And that's exactly what he did with Job. He trusted him with trouble. And so basically there's this point in Job where he's like, the devil's like, oh, I mean, of course he does. Of course. Look at the protection around him. 
look at all the things that he's been blessed with. That's why he doesn't curse your name. And then it's a point that you will miss unless you kind of like ask yourself certain questions while reading Job. Well, how would the devil know? He's asking for permission in this moment now to mess with Job. How would he have known that Job had this hedge of protection and that his family had this hedge of protection? It's because the devil tried Job long before he asked for permission, but he couldn't get to Job. He couldn't get to his people. He couldn't get to his things because of the hedge of protection that God had around Job and his family and his people. And I just want to remind the BK family that we need to stop and thank God for the hedge of protection around our lives and for our people. Um, you know, we praise God for the things that we make it through. We praise God for, you know, the blessings that we get. But if we really sit down and think like there are so many things that God has stopped and it's not whether it's things from accidents, financial troubles, certain heartbreaks, whether it's from us, it's closing our mouths in that moment to not say certain things that we can't take back and that will change the course of a relationship forever whether on a big or small scale, there are so many ways that God protects us. And there are so many things that God protects us from on a daily basis that go over our heads, because of course we may not think about it. And why would we think about the things that didn't touch us, you know, but as always, it's so good to sit down and reflect and just to be so gracious to a good, good loving father who protects us even from things that we don't even know that was coming for us. So that is just my reminder about the hedge of protection. And on the spiritual warfare, he talks about this with Job and with um, David and Goliath. So spiritual warfare representation is kind of like, I got to win, I got to win for my team. We win. You got a team for, you got to win for your team. We win. So our team is the team with God, of course, you know? So when a lot of us are going through battles, some of us are going through battles and you know, God never gives us more than we can handle. Although we'd rather not deal with over half of the stuff God gives us to handle. I'm not going to say y'all, I'm going to say me over a lot of the stuff God has given me to battle and square up with and handle. I'd rather he had given it to somebody else. I'll pass, (laughs) but obviously he feels like I'm equipped to handle and where I am weak, he will fill me with strength. And that's just a fact. So, you know, um, when I show up for our team and I show up, it's not just a win for like the team of God. It's a, it's a win for my family. It's a win for my future kids. It's a win for my people. And there is this spiritual warfare representation and PD does such a better job at breaking it down, which is why I'm going to tag that sermon and I recommend going to listen to it. And even if you are a person who is struggling with needing an explanation or needing closure from certain things, that is definitely a video you need to go watch and it will definitely help you just become okay with lack of explanation, become okay with not knowing. And Job is a great great um example of that in the bible because god basically explains to him and breaks down where were you when i put the stars you know where were you when i created certain animals or how they move and do certain things and god never really gives him an explanation about the bs that he went through but i will say that everything that he put job through he didn't just give him back what was taken from him, he blessed him with double. And that is the best thing about the God that we serve. He won't just replace what was taken. He won't replace, just replace the basic level of what was lost. He will bless you abundantly in overflow, whether it's double, triple, quadruple. It's so much you cannot wrap your head around it. You will never, he will never give you back just the basic minimum of what you lost. He will always give you more. And I think that's a level of encouragement and just something joyous to be grateful for. Um, and one of the best things about God, but about the spiritual warfare representation, it just makes me think of the battles that we all fight individually. And sometimes life hits us back to back to back to back. And we're like, Jesus, give me a break, please. And, you know, we think, what is this for? But it's for us. It's for a bigger picture. It's for a bigger war. And I think we also forget that we're fighting two wars on a daily. Like, yes, we fight the things, you know, like we, we fight human beings, but a lot of that is just like other spiritual things. There's a whole spiritual war that goes on, not only inside of us, but in a whole nother realm. And if you don't believe in it, I understand why it would sound crazy, but for those that really understand and that know, or that those believe in it, but don't, 
you know, have as much clarification on it. And there's more clarification that even I myself can get. But we forget that there are other spirits that we have to fight. There are other battles that we have to fight. Like, if you really think this is just basic level, if you really think that just like God uses people, the devil won't use people in different things too. And there's even an example of how the devil will use loved ones in your weakest moment. Pain makes you speak differently. Wearing you down makes you speak differently. And you may say some things and give advice from a place of pain or hurt or trigger and trauma that you wouldn't have necessarily given if you were healed and if you weren't tired from having to fight battle after battle. There are so many lessons that come from Job and come from that specific sermon. So yeah, I just wanted to... um let you guys know that I would definitely be tagging that and I highly recommend doing that. I just want to do a quick reminder that the hedge of protection of us, let's be grateful for the things that God blocks, stops and protects us from whether we know it or not, because life could be so much worse than it is for all of us. Even if you're going through like the worst season of your life, it can be worse than that. And it's not to downplay your feelings or what you're going through. They are absolutely valid. Whether it's really big or really little, your feelings are valid, but we have to just still be grateful for the blessing and protection that he gives us. So remember that we have a hedge of protection around us. And that hedge of protection is not just protecting us. It's protecting our people connected to us. It's protected generations to come and as long as we can still be obedient and be grateful and gracious to this good loving God that we have then that will help us keep hope that will help us stay focused and just remember that we're not just fighting like the things of this world there's our whole spiritual realm which is why you know in the episode my soul is tired it's completely different from me being depressed there are spiritual warfare battles that we have to be prepared for that we don't think about on a daily basis we're fighting two wars we're fighting two wars, the stuff that we can see and the stuff that we cannot see. And we have to be equipped for both. And if we get wore down in one, it can make the other half of our life feel heavy and vice versa. So we have to be mindful that we are fighting two wars and that um, we're grateful for the hedge of protection that God puts around us. Okay. So like I said, PD breaks it down even more. And if you just read the book of Job, it will teach you so many life lessons. You'll get way more than just the revelations that I spoke about on this episode, but that was on my heart to remind us. And so I wanted to remind us of that. All right, guys, that's all the time that we have for this week. I cannot wait to see what we talk about next week. And yeah, love you guys. See you next week. Bye.